Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and this is, of course, the fourth and final. Yes, I know, folks. I'm I'm sad to see it go, too, but don't worry. You know, it's not over yet. Fourth and, sadly, yes, final episode of the Holiday Spectacular, where I am covering with a motley assortment of guests this marvel holiday special from 1992 cover dated 1993 because dates are funny things and speaking of dates are funny things i have with me a master of monday movie muckery a podcaster proficient in packing power and a heck of a nice guy rick heineken rick how are you how is something final but don't worry, we're not done yet. So if something is final, but you're not done yet, is it really fi- – oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I, I was – my brain got a little bit of a vapor lock there as you were sitting there talking through that. I'm, I'm doing fine though. I'm doing fine. Um, and I am right here on time, exactly on time. You told me to be here at a certain time, and I was here at a certain time. May not have been the time we originally agreed on, but it was a time, and I was on time with that time. Yes, because none of us are ever late or forgetful. <laughs> right, Al? Right, Al Sedano? <laughs> you know, I, I totally didn't like goof up on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I have a good excuse. I was um, watching Deep Space Nine with my family. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Leyland thanks you. <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you very much for uh, you know inviting me out on a date on this cold, cold Christmas night uh, to have some coffee with you. I really appreciate that. That is the conceit of the show, right? Yeah, so long as you're buying. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh. Um, well, do they take comic books as currency at the comic at the coffee store? Uh, only the really good ones, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. We can try to figure this out. I have no problem buying you a cup of coffee since you are doing the editing. <laughs> oh, he thinks I edit, folks. Isn't that funny? <laughs> this is all going out raw, live, <laughs> right here and now. Oh, I, I can't do that. That's not possible at all. There, there'd be too many ums, uhs. Coughs, hacks, and completely dropped lines if I did that on my show. Hacks? You're speaking my language, man. Oh, oh, you meant the hacking and wheezing. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the coughing up of the hairball, which nobody likes to hear. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of uh, sick individuals, 
<laughs> we've got an Iron Man story. And if that wasn't the worst segue ever. <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. I Yeah. I Yeah. I was trying to think about who the sick person in this comic was. And I, I'm not even Iron Man on this one, man. But, uh, but UBU, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, they they make sure like three different times in this to point out that this is a story before Tony's death. Because, you know, spoilers. In 1992, Tony Stark was dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he got better in time for Onslaught. <laughs> <laughs> he got better in time just for Rhodey to put on War Machine armor and say, screw you, Tony. How many times has Tony Stark died? <laughs> Does that count kid Tony Stark? You know, whatever Google gives me. <laughs> oh, wow. Every First thing, every time Tony Stark has died, I'm sorry, every time Iron Man died in the comics ranked by CVR, this has to be good. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Link not Well, they only the did the top notes. 10, so I, I just have a feeling that there's got to be more than 10. Oh, but wow. They, they got 10, they've got 10 listed here, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, according to them, the worst was the uh, the, the sentient armor one, the uh, the death of uh, Iron Man, and yeah. So, anyways, uh, go on, go on. Yeah. I can get down this rabbit hole real quick here. Yeah, link not in the show notes, folks, but Google is your friend. <laughs> huh? It says I can make money if I click this link here. Can't be bad. Oh, but the best, the best uh, death of his was uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Spoiler. All right, go ahead. <laughs> all righty so our story which does not involve tony's death except in editorial notes spoilers for this story apparently but you know (laughs) how's he gonna die in eight pages oh there are ways there are ways (laughs) it might be on that list so this is called holiday on ice which is aptly titled all Things Considered. It's written by Sholly Fish. I love Sholly Fish. Can we just, like, skip over to some Batman team-up? <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's Scooby-Doo team-up. Batman's in it a lot. Batman's in the Marvel Universe, right, Rick? Yes, he is. According to my Marvel Universe poster, Batman is in the Marvel Universe. Okay, so see, there we go. No, we got we got to stick with what the people are wanting, holiday stories in the Marvel. We already promised them Iron Man. All right, writer, Sholly Fish. Pencils and inks by Tom Morgan. Colors mm-hmm. by Ed Lazulari. Laz- Lazulari. Lazulari, thank you. Hooray. I could be right. <laughs> there is not going to be an episode where I do not goof up at least one person's name in the credits, I'm sure. <laughs> and letters by Brad K. Joyce. I can do that one. All right, so our story opens with Randy Macklin, who just can't catch a break. It has absolutely nothing to do with his horrible bowl cut that makes him look like a red-headed Mo Howard. Or the fact that he's a hulking behemoth of a side of beef. Yeah. Who's 
whose hands folded together are nearly the same size are they're bigger than a desk telephone in the in the early 90s and about twice about twice the size of this lady's head that he's talking to <laughs> yeah yeah see he's been trying to find he's a mook <laughs> yeah that, that just sums it up right there yeah this mook has been trying to find a job for a few months now but you know with holidays approaching and all it just seems like there's nothing open but you know randy surmises the truth Nobody wants to hire an ex-con, despite him doing his full time for a liquor store robbery, which was probably what? Uh, you know, six months to a year in the Marvel Universe? Yeah, probably. So, to, to be, to, uh, I'm going to be honest here. Uh, unfortunately, this is true. Once somebody has done their time, unfortunately, they do get branded with mm-hmm. this. And, and this is a bad, this is unfortunately part of a downward spiral that unfortunately does occur and, and it's it's it, it's something that we should really work on so a little bit of social messaging there yep diversity equity and, and inclusion realism in a story we call this verisimilitude folks <laughs> so fed up with the system randy returns home to retrieve something hid and hanging on to for his friend donnie oh donnie he's such a good guy it's not, you know, baseball cards or anything. It's just a spare Blizzard costume. Wait, wait. I thought we were talking about Donnie Wahlberg. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, he probably has a Blizzard costume, too, you know. Hey, guys, I got a Blizzard costume. It's it's wicked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's why Marky Mark went off and did his own thing. <laughs> continue. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, in fact... He's going to go be a better Blizzard than Donnie. Because he's going to do what Donnie didn't do. Not get in trouble? Not get caught? <laughs> he's going to go take down Iron Man. Set your, set your sights high there, Donnie. Shoot for them, their stars. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tony so Stark... Sorry, if, you, if you don't mind. Meanwhile! Yeah, see, there we go. This is why I have Rick. This is why Jeff has Rick, too. Yeah. So, meanwhile, I see, I can't do it in the... Yeah, anyway. Tony Stark and Jim Rhodes are enjoying a holiday party at Stark Enterprises. It's not just Christmas, folks. They remembered latkes for Abe. Mm-hmm. I don't know who in the world Abe is, but he loves them potato latkes. Well, and we also get a happy Chanukah from Tony Stark. <laughs> this is after Tony is uh, really pushing the boundaries of appropriate workplace uh, decorum by going in for a smooch to Mrs. Arbor- Arborgast. Hey, she was under the mistletoe. She knows the rules. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> HR's got to talk about them and their mistletoes because Tony <laughs> keeps on – like they magically – he's got them on drones, okay? That's, that is harassment. In 1992, no less. Uh-huh. Uh, Tony notices a snowstorm in L.A. But, you know, Marvel Universe. He notices that snowstorm out the windows before quickly realizing that it is Blizzard making his attack run. Dun, dun, dun! It couldn't, you know, also be Blizzard out there saying, hey, Iron Man... 
I'm calling you out. Hey, Iron Man, come out and play. Oh, wrong show. wrong show. Wrong show. Wrong show. Uh, it it I, could also be it, it. You know, here's something that Tony Tony didn't think about. Um, it could be Iceman trying to restart the L.A. Champions. That would have been a really great holiday story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel, ring a ding ding, TM TM TM. Mm-hmm. Iron Man rushes out to stop Blizzard, and Blizzard wastes no time in letting old Shellhead know he's a new guy. Because, you know, that's apparently what you do. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, says Iron Man, let me turn my suit down to easy. Okay? Let me go ahead and put this down to the easy level for you. Give you a fighting chance there, kiddo. Well, you're almost uh, accurate there, Rick, because Blizzard manages to encase Iron Man in a block of solid ice, which quickly puts a drain on Tony's armor. Because I'm... I, that's because, how it works? Because, because apparently it's now 1969, and Tony has power problems with his suit, by walking across the yard. Oh no, my chest, my uh, power on my chest is failing because I walk 10 feet. I must stop and plug it into a wall socket. Oh, but that's okay because jet boots do their thing and lift him up just high enough to drop him back down and shatter the ice. <laughs> no injury, you know. I've got an idea. Here's how I can solve this. I'm going to throw myself at something really hard like the ground. Iron Man turns on his smarts, apparently. <laughs> that was part of that was part of, that was part of turning down the intelligence level to or the <laughs> the difficulty level to low. It, it also turned down the intelligence to low as well. I, I'm giving the guy a fighting chance here, you know. Yep. But you know, with his smarts and the bright lights from his chest beam, he snowblinds Blizzard long enough to give him what for, which is apparently a good sock in the jaw. He gives him a dope slap. I mean, that's really what it is here. Mm-hmm. No, it's not a stock on the jaw. It's it's a dope slap. He smacks him upside the back of the head. <laughs> and then what is the second most realistic thing in this story behind, you know, just not getting a job because you're an ex-con? Blizzard lies in the snow and the full weight of his strengths all hits him at once. And he does what most villains should probably do and tells Iron Man the full story about how he's just a guy who couldn't go straight because nobody would give him a chance at a job. (laughs) For as corny as this is, I got to applaud this. This is actually, this is fun. This is like, I am so pathetic. I can't. I not only can't get a job because I'm an ex-con, but I'm bad at this and I'm going to realize it right away. I'm horrible, and it's the spirit of the season. Tony takes pity on him. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that that's one of the most unexpected turns possible right there when Iron Man's just like, hey, have you tried applying at Stark Enterprises? <laughs> Blizzard's all like, you'd even give me a chance knowing all this? And he's like, yeah, I've had a pretty good luck at reforming villains. You ever hear of this one guy? <laughs> Calls himself Hawkeye. Ooh, low blow. Low blow, man. Low blow. (laughs) And that is our story. Special note to the blizzard mask lying in the snow at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
good good place to put like the closing credits of our Hallmark movie. And and we a kind of a ramped up version of '90s version of the Lonely Man theme because it's it's two lonely men walking <laughs> off into the night together, away from the mask. Oh, so Rick, what what did we think of this story? You know, I I have read other little stories like this. Uh, you know, sm- small little stories in anthology books, holiday books. They've got a theme. This is cheesy. This is quick and done. This is totally inconsequential. I like it. I got to say, I enjoy it. It's not bad. There have been much worse, much sillier, much goofier. This one's got just enough of a heart, just enough to make it. Yeah, why not? This is a one-off blizzard guy. We never see this guy again. He never appears anywhere else. Uh, it's not entirely out of the out of left field for Tony to have a change of heart to feel magnanimous to the, the 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 little guys out there in the world so I, and the, i think the way that this blizzard suit's actually drawn it helps show kind of pathetic you look at the eyes the mask mm-hmm. the way that they've got the eyes you got like these orange eyes that are in there and then they're surrounded by white but there's kind of like icicle hanging down off the white part and then it's a blue mask so it looks like he's just a sad sack the mask looks like he's crying so it helps make him a little bit more pitiful and helps sell the story a bit more it's not bad yeah i don't like i don't mind it well before we dive in a little further i gotta ask you because i've asked pretty much everybody is this a holiday story yeah i would say definitely is oh yeah I mean, th- this I mean, one's pretty obvious that it definitely yeah. is. We've uh, starting the first scene. You've got the the job that he's trying to get. You have got Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas in the background. You got a menorah candle in the background. So first scene, we've got this this hint. Plus, even though it's L.A., they've got snow on the windows. It's kind of the framing device for a uh, holiday on ice. It's, it, but they they've got kind of what looks like snow there. So you've got the feeling that. You never see sun here. We always kind of think that it's cold because you never see the outside dirt mm. without blizzard there. You've got the holiday party that Tony's at. Uh, you've got the guy talking that he can't find a job during the holidays. And then you've got the Christmas spirit of it's okay. You know, Bob Bob Cratchit is going to help find a job for uh, – <laughs> our, our Ebenezer Screw is going to try to find the job for Bob Cratchit, who's got a Blizzard costume. I don't know. I got the, I, lo- I lost it there somehow. But you, you got the Christmas spirit thing at the end. This is so much a holiday. This this is pure holiday, oh, and, yeah. it's, and it's fine. It's fine. I mean, all we're missing is a caption box that says Tony Stark's arc reactor grew two sizes. That, <laughs> that would have been fabulous. <laughs> And I wouldn't have put it past Shellyfish. I, I I am really thinking that. Hang on a second here. Where's the editor at? I gotta go scrolling back up here. Uh, it's gonna be the editor for the entire thing. I, whoever the editor for this for this entire anthology, I gotta say that they uh, they, they probably took out the arc reactor joke there. <laughs> uh, I, I can find it here. Here we go. It looks like it was Renee Witterstatter. Witterstatter. Hmm. 
No, I like this. This is good. This is a good one. I, I'm trying to see what else she was editing at the time. And I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> I'm sure she did a lot, though. Um, oh, wow. Okay, there we go. Yeah, she did like a lot of editing on Silver Surfer, Conan the Barbarian, Conan Saga... Uh, the um, best of the brave and the bold. The John Byrne She-Hulk. She-Hulk, uh huh. What the? Mm-hmm. Looks like she had some times on there. Jumped over to Tops and did X Files, Jurassic Park. You know, basically all their licensed stuff. WCW World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, so see, <laughs> she she knows her stuff. When she yeah, I did. I'm sure it was probably some sort of higher-up mandate. One of those, like, no, we don't want to get sued by the Grinch people. She also, it looks like she also had a pretty uh, deep bench of uh, being a colorist in a lot of comics, too, prior to that. Of course, I say that, and then right around the same time or the year before, there was a character in Thor that they called the Gronk that was like a very... (laughs) Muscled up Grinch, green fur, Santa costume, all that. That might so, get covered next year. I need to. I need to. I need to have a little comment here because I am a little familiar with Tom Morgan because he was the artist on the last run of issues for Power Pack, and. Was not a big fan of his work on Power Pack. Um, because Jack Power also had big hulking hands? He just he doesn't draw kids that well. I And here's the thing. You look at his, his characterization. He draws muscles. He draws adults. I think that his use of adults in here is, is fine. He's fine. It's, it's very, very strong and very bold. And for something like Power Pack... Especially after you know June Brigman and John Bogdanoff, Tom Morgan's art just didn't seem to quite land well with me. But I find that his work here is it works well. There's something about how he draws Tony Stark and Iron Man. Uh, Blizzard's got just muscles bounding out of everywhere. I might take that back a little bit. I'm not a big fan of his Iron Man here. I think he's better with uh, the more of the people. But I'm. Not too thrilled about his Iron Man. But Blizzard, I think, is fine. And the way he draws, most of the people, I think, are pretty good. See, I I have to disagree. I like the Iron Man armor. I think he did a really cool job with it. Now, to be fair, this is also, you know, early 90s. A lot of people are pretty bulky in Marvel at this time anyway. Mm -hmm. Especially Jim Rhodes. He looks like he could... Bench, bench press a Buick, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's trying out for a linebacker mm-hmm. there. Yeah, but now I, I don't know what is. There's a few of the parts with the Iron Man armor that I'm just not. I don't know when he's like just hovering there in front of Blizzard. It seems very simple. There's one of the action scenes where he's on the ice, which is fine. But I I don't know. There's there's something about his line work that I'm just not too thrilled at with the Iron Man suit. I'm not sure why. I mean that that's fair to each their own. I'm not saying yeah. it's you know gonna go hang in the Louvre, but, <laughs> but you know I've seen worse. 
Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Yeah. And we all, still we all read the crossing. <laughs> and still better than I can do. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll agree with that. Anytime somebody's got anything printed on the page that is worlds better than what I can draw. So I may might have really comment, you know. <laughs> I may have my opinions about, you know, how people write and how they do characterization and some of the coloring and some of the artistry, but I can't do any of that. So I'm just going to sit over here in my room and be an angry little fanboy. (laughs) I can comment about what I like and what I don't like. I cannot offer any suggestions for improvement because I wouldn't know where to begin. No, no. Maybe, you know, draw it different. Like, not this. <laughs> it's like when somebody yeah. tells you, you know, like, you're stacking cans wrong. Really? Like, how many ways are there to do it? <laughs> no, a uh, fun little book. I'm glad that uh, you gave it to me to read. I, I looked, and this is, for some reason or another, I did not pick up this second issue of the Marvel Holiday uh, special. I've got the first one of these, but I do not have this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did, I uh, think, two or three more after this in the 90s and then quit for some reason and then picked it up again like in the early 2000s. They did a couple more and then they just didn't sell. So, Well, they did have an X-Men one uh, last year or a couple years ago, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. that's it. They've switched more to like the the team or character specifics. You know, they might do a one-off holiday issue or do a like you said like an X-Men holiday special, but the big universe-wide anthology just kind of seems to have gone gone away. Yeah, it looks like the last one of those was in 2011. But they do they there are other things that they do. I they had the Women of Marvel, they had the Marvel 1000 book that came out. There are other things that you can do, and there's other kind of stories you can tell, and there's other packagings you can have. I think Marvel Holiday Special, especially after a while, it just, it, it's going to run its course. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. Plus, you know, with everything available, well, practically everything available on Marvel Unlimited now, you know, if if you're looking for like a a holiday story, generally you can just go back and like flip through 1970s Hulk and find like Hulk saves Christmas or something. <laughs> I, I I'm Hulk. seriously doubting that's an actual story, but by golly, I would read every page. <laughs> Hulk found miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a bell rings, Hulk smash! (laughs) You sure it's not Namor gets his wings? (laughs) Excelsior! And Merry Christmas to all! Every time bell rings, fishmen get wings. I guess it would be Excelsior! And to all a good night! (laughs) (laughs) This is not Imperius Rex! And to all a good night! It's oh. <laughs> uh, we're having too much fun. It should be illegal. Indeed. Mm. All right. So since we seem to be straying into Defenders territory now, 
we already <laughs> crossed off the champions. Uh, that pretty much sums it up, I think, for our Iron Man story. But speaking of illegal fun. Oh, we're going to go back to the snow in L.A.? Oh, that's not cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Uh, Rick, since this is your first time on this show, yeah. you get the wonderful Coffee and Comics quiz. And I can probably already guess about half of these answers. But, ooh, ooh. but I'm not offering them up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Much like Jeopardy, it's my job to give the questions, and you get to be my little Alex Trebek and give the answers. I don't know. I was thinking about the who wants to be a millionaire sound going on. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have that kind of budget on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on the Coffee and Comics podcast, we are, of course, huge supporters of coffee, as you well know. Mm -hmm. But... Since you do a show that also focuses on uh, something of a beverage-type nature, I'm sure you're also a big fan of variety. So, yes, I am. Since we also kind of support that variety here, what do you consider to be your beverage of choice? I am going to go ahead and say sweet tea. <laughs> you were not expecting that at all, were no, you? No, I was not. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Let, let me ex- Mr. Lives ex- out in the Pacific Northwest, uh-huh. chooses the most stereotypically Southern drink possible. Possibly, I have myself a sweet tooth, and my wife has learned how to placate that, although she limits me as best she can. But nearly every week, we just boil up a pot of water, she throws in a bunch of tea bags, maybe like, you know, just Lipton tea bags with maybe one like lemon tea bag in there, boils it up, stirs in a bunch of sugar, Pour it. We pour it into like about four or five different crafts, and throughout the week, I just go up, grab one, just you know, have myself a couple glasses, two or three, four glasses if I can get away with it a day, and that keeps me on high spirits. When I am not drinking that, I would probably go with coffee in the morning, and when I am doing my podcast, a beer or two at night. You know, there's um, like a scale on the sweet tea thing right oh yeah yeah if the irredeemable shag tastes it and like gives you a frown then it's just too weak oh my wife puts more sugar and i'm like just keep it going keep it there's the lipton they've got the sweet tea and i found something like extra sweet tea and i tasted it as like it could be sweeter (laughs) (laughs) all right well speaking of sweeter This is, of course, the sweetest question on the quiz. Betty or Veronica? Jughead. (laughs) (laughs) No. You've been watching Uh, too much Riverdale, hadn't you? (laughs) I, I, I admit this. I have never read an Archie comic. I am more than familiar with them, but I have never read one. Now, based upon Wikipedia... In my own defense, <laughs> I am looking at the two pictures on Wikipedia, and I kind of say that between these two pictures, I'm going to choose Veronica. And that's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to look at the two pictures on Wikipedia, and, and you can make your own choices about how I made my decision, and we are just going to leave it like that and move on to the next question. <laughs> well, hopefully for, for uh, Crusaders this year, somebody got you some Archies. <laughs> 
Alrighty, question three. Wolfman Perez Titans or Claremont Burn X-Men? This is an easy one. It's Claremont Burn X-Men. X-Men was one of my gateway drugs. Actually, my, my gateway drug was X-Factor, but that's because I bought it. First book I bought was an Incredible Hulk guest starring X-Factor. I was like, this Grey Hulk's kind of cool, but who are these guys with these powers? They seem awesome. Got into X-Factor with the original five X-Men, got me into X-Men. I am Claremont X-Men all the way. So you had like associations with Wheezy early. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I was looking at the things that I used to love as a kid, and all of a sudden I realized it was all had to do with Wheezy. I, she was the writer on most of the stuff that I loved. New Mutants, Power Pack, X Factor. I mean, that was my bread and butter back then. Wow. I don't know. I, I can see that. I can see that. I realized I had a huge Tom DeFalco stack once I got I actually started realizing, hey, People write these things. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on. Which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live-action adaptation? And if I don't hear the most obvious answer from you, I will be surprised. It's got to be Power Pack. Come on, we need something good. We've got one pilot of a TV show that's horrible. It was live-action, but we need Power Pack. Definitely. This Definitely need Power Pack. This is absolutely something that would work as an animated series, and I cannot oh, yeah. believe it has not been tried at least once. I mean, this is the time to do it. DC or um, Disney owns Marvel, so put that onto Disney Plus as a kids' cartoon. It doesn't have to be even for adult. Make you know, make it the all ages type. Go with it. You know, it doesn't even have to be part of the traditional MCU universe. Just Make it happen. You've got a good in for kids. Money making, money making. <laughs> All righty. So, villain most in need of decaf. Whew. Um, gosh. I'm going to go ahead and say Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Randy? Yeah. I mean, look at the guy. He he gets turned down for one job and he decides he's going to go out and take down Iron Man? Dude. Dude. You need to chill. look at him in the first page of this comic. The dude is stressed. He needs to cut back that caffeine like 2,000%. I think that's steroids tell, giving him those tell me I'm, Don't care. He needs to go decaf <laughs> on the steroids then because he, I mean, he is tense sitting there. His, he is cracking walnuts in those hands. And then she says, Happy holidays, and he just explodes. Yes, I'm going to say Blizzard right now. Right now, this is the this is the villain who needs decaf. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with that answer. <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay, so who is the best super pet? Oh boy, um, lots of choices on this one. But at the moment, once again, I, I'm very much an id person here, so I'm going to go ahead and say. Crypto from the Titan TV show because I'm watching season three of that and Crypto's in there and Crypto is a very good boy. Oh, he's such a good boy. He is such a good boy and he is awesome in that show. And they use him very, very well. And he's definitely got heat vision, folks. So, And, and he goes and makes sandwiches for people. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good dog. He's a good dog. <laughs> the, one, the one scene at the first episode where Connor says, speak, and he barks and knocks. It just 
destroys the supervillain. It's beautiful. See, he's obedient too. Well trained. And Connor looks out. Good boy. It's like fan crypto. Crypto from Titans TV show. Alrighty. So, can Mighty Mouse beat up the George Reeves Superman? Boy, you know, I, I'm not going to go with the standby me answer because you get that all the time. But uh, I really looking at this, I'm going to have to say it's got to be Mighty Mouse because, I mean, dude, look at him. That is a beefed up mouse. All right. <laughs> that's a beefed up mouse. And, and and I'm sorry, you know, Superman's just all full of himself. I think that I, I think. You look at it, I think that Superman's going to look down at the mouse and say, oh, what a cute little mouse. Or I couldn't hurt the little mouse. And the mouse is, and, and the mouse is going to say, oh, you didn't? Wham, 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 wham. Yeah. He's, because Superman's too nice, Mighty Mouse is going to own his red cape. <laughs> okay. So. Hang on a second. Let me, let me have a sip of my sweet tea here. You're totally doing that just so I have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, joke's on you. I'm probably not. No, I probably will. <laughs> All righty. So, would you prefer that comics are incredibly cheap, but Dr. Doom has a grudge against you, or comics are highly expensive, but Dr. Doom owes you a favor? You know, I'm older now, and yes, I know I've got a kid who in about 10 years is going to go to college. That's fine. I've got a little bit more disposable income in my pocket these days. So I'm willing to not blink at the more expensive comic books. But having that favor from Doom, mm, man, man, how many of my enemies will I crush one day when I call in that favor? I am, I'm talking like, you know. That one guy, Bobby, who used to put picking me as a kid, oh, he's going down. I'm also going to take down the, those bullies who tried to take my bike when I was, you know, in sixth grade. I'm going to, you know, that 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 one girl who not only, you know, turned me down for the dance, but also got her friends laughing me. They're all going down, man. They're all going down. Doom's going to take care of them for me. I'll take the favor. And here I thought you were just going to, like, get her a scholarship to Latveria U. Well... After I take down all my enemies, I'm going to, you know, take all their assets and pff, pay for college. There we go. <laughs> all righty. Well, that pretty well sums that up. <laughs> and for Christmas, uh, Rick is getting therapy. Man, man, there's, there's, there's not enough counselors in the galaxy. <laughs> Oh, I didn't say what kind of therapy. I just assume it's going to be shopping therapy. <laughs> ooh, ooh, free free shopping spree at Costco? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you and Veronica and your favor from Doom and <laughs> I'm liking this. I'm liking this. My wife's not going to hear this episode, right? <laughs> uh, uh, wait, what's her email address? She's on Twitter, right? Yes. Yes, she is. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> no, but, you know, we both can, like, totally. No, I don't know anybody that knows your wife other than Jeff. So. <laughs> other than Jeff? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Jeff would betray you. 
Oh, not, not without you know actual payment. Jeff would betray me in a heartbeat, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he would push me over for a good strong cup of coffee himself. Maybe maybe a good whiskey drink. Yeah, he'd, See, he'd again, sell. We don't he'd have sell, that kind of budget on this show. He'd he'd sell me out for you know a blueberry muffin. <laughs> I could part with one of those. I could part with one of those. Does it have to be blueberry? I think so. Oh. I think so. Maybe poppy seed. Oh, that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, Rick. I do appreciate you joining me here. Uh, before we wrap up, do let people know where they can find you in the podcastosphere, in the internet, uh, on the dark web, um, in the police lineup, you know, all your <laughs> usual haunts. Well, I do a little podcast called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack with my co-host Jeff, who also, you don't know this about him, but he is also one of the volunteers one of the vocalists of the rock band, The Archies, along with Veronica. Thank you, Wikipedia. And you can find us talking about Power Pack, the most underrated comic book of the 80s, over at Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. You can also hear me upstairs in the attic at the Longbox Crusade headquarters watching movies on monthly Monday movie muckabout. Just be sure if you come and visit me there, you don't go down in the basement. I hear there's somebody really stinky down there. Been trapped down there for a while. There is no running water. It's not pleasant. I've uh, had to seal off the air vents, which is fine for me, but I've been told that those are the only air vents that actually provide the person down there air. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I don't know what, what kind of person would subject themselves to that kind of horrendous existence. I don't think that they subjected themselves to that. I think they were forced to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> All right. So, everybody do go check out Rick's shows, even the not so good ones, of which I'm not sure there are any, but you know, just saying, if there if there are any that are like less than stellar, don't mention it to him because I'm sure they're still just as good. It will hurt my last little feeling. All right. So we will take a quick little break, and I will be back with the final chapter of this anthology. But I'm sure it'll be worth it, folks. Stick around. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. We got kids with powers, we got villains with attitude. We got superhero guests, like all of them from the Marvel Universe. We have thematically appropriate beer reviews. We have good jokes and bad song parodies. One stop for all your Power Pack pod-pleasing procurements. And we got alliteration. Find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack wherever fine podcasts are played. Costumes on. Welcome back to the second half of this episode, and to what turns out to be the unfortunately final story in this Marvel anthology we've been discussing for four episodes now. But just because it's the last one doesn't mean it's the least. And the same goes for my next guest. He's making his first appearance on this show, but he's had a long time podcasting, folks. 
Uh, he was in this game for a few years before I got started, so you know he's good at what he does. So let's give a big hearty welcome to your friend and mine, the Conway Twitty of podcasting, J. David Weeder. But I have it on good authority, you can call him Dave. By the Utah State Board of Education, yes. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you for appearing, sir. Oh, well, it, I was glad to be asked because the, the, we're talking about a character I know a little bit about. Yeah, um, your podcasting experience kind of you know, lends to that. Um, for those that aren't keeping up with this book or reading show notes or anything like that, uh, the character he's referring to is that uh, lawyer guy. Devil of the Daring, uh, you know, Matt Murder Hobo, something <laughs> another. No, no, no. We're talking about a Daredevil story, folks. It can't oh. be too goofy because he invented his own twin. I don't think you can out weird that. And plus, now the twin became real in current continuity, so <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> you throw whatever you want at him. Oh my gosh! And and I thought Batman stories got complicated these days. Ooh, Batman's got nothing on Daredevil now. Okay, folks, so this story is called The Wrapped Lamb, and wrapped is spelled R-A-P-T, not wrapped as in Christmas wrapping, despite it being a, you know, Christmas-type story, but we'll get to that in a little while. The writer on this was Nocenti, who is no stranger to Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Pencils by Tom... Is it Grindberg? Or That's how I thought it was, Grindberg. See, I, I always have trouble with these names. Uh, inks by F Fred Fredericks? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure I didn't have a typo there, folks. That Wow, that's like naming your kid Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Letters by Brad K. Joyce. And colors by Evelyn Stein. So our synopsis of this little eight-page story goes something along the lines of, After 33 years on a shelf, a toy lamb has been bought and wrapped for a Christmas present. Matt Murdock has taken it upon himself to deliver this little toy lamb. We get narration from the lamb's point of view, who is thrilled to be useful and relates all of his experience to us as it feels nearly everything Matt feels. We learn of his joy as he swings through the city. We see Daredevil eavesdrop outside a church window and learn of his happiness and love when he hears Sister Maggie inside. The Lamb describes him as a hero when Daredevil stops a mucking without thought of thanks or reward. Outside a bar, they listen to the patrons discuss the night a Red Devil stopped in to drink with them and how it helped distract them from their woes for just one night. Finally, we get to a home for orphans, where they are accepting donations for Christmas presents. The lady recognizes Daredevil, comments on the lovely little lamb, and calls Matt an angel. And with that, the lamb sighs, realizing that its deliverer is a complicated individual. <laughs> So, I mean, it's an eight-page story. I can't go on for too long for that synopsis, folks. But that is more or less The Wrapped Lamb. So, I love Dave, that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So, Dave, what do you think of this story? Well, I was telling you off air, I'd never read this, so this was a nice, surprising nugget. Um, I didn't know Nacinti did any Daredevil work outside of the title. I knew she did some work with Typhoid Mary, things like that, but this was a neat surprise, and with some deep references, too. Okay, so, I mean, are you talking Daredevil references, or are you talking, like, symbols hidden in the story? Because I... I'm vague on the Daredevil side, but I picked up on a few other little nuggets in there. I caught a few nuggets, but primarily the, the Daredevil side of things. You mentioned him uh, being happy when he heard Sister Maggie. Well, the reason is, spoiler, that's his mother. So when he's stopping at the church, he's checking on his mom. Okay, I did know that. You know, I had picked up that over the years, but uh, it, I, I will admit the Daredevil... Netflix series kind of reinforced that one on yeah. me. <laughs> Here's a deeper cut, though. When he goes to the bar, that is a follow-up to a story from Daredevil number six, uh, 266, pardon me, A Beer with the Devil, also written by Nacinti. And Daredevil has just been taken out by Typhoid Mary. He's he's cheated on Karen. So he's, he's there on Christmas, and Mephisto is in the bar, corrupting these people. So there's a, a comment where they talk about one brother killing the other. That was Mephisto's work. So this is a pseudo-sequel to that story. Which, beautiful thing about that is it was inspired by something Nacinti actually experienced. She wrote about, she had just broken up with her boyfriend. She had nowhere to go on Christmas. Everything's closed except this strip bar. So she decided to, okay, let's do that. And just said she had the time of her life commuting with people there. So it was inspired by something real, and then, then it follows up a story in Daredevil. That is so awesome. I was going to ask you if it was actually a canonical thing. What issue did you say that was? 266. 266. I am going to have to read that one, because that sounds incredible. That's the kind of comics people should read. Yeah. It was, a, it was a part of the, I mean, it's a weird place in the run, but it's almost standalone. If you know, just a little, in, in some of this, the balloons and stuff like that will fill you in on what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is so that is so cool. Okay, so um, you know, spoilers for people who don't follow your stuff outside of podcasts. I know on uh, Facebook you tend to post uh, daily Bible verses and such. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure uh, some of the things in this would have caught your eye. Well, the the devil delivering a lamb, that that anachronism definitely stood out. The lamb being a you know a known symbol for Jesus Christ. So, yeah, and again, the the lamb uh, doubly references Jesus Christ with the number thirty three. Mm-hmm. You know, for those that uh, non Christians or don't don't really uh, study biblical stuff, thirty three is the age of, of Jesus Christ when he's crucified, but. I mean that's pretty pretty easy pop culture for everybody. Yep, and they and she doubles down on that in the scene where he's in front of the stained glass window where there's baby Jesus surrounded by lambs. See, this is why I have you on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I huh, I missed that part. Like I mean, I saw the you know I missed the little the hints. That was so awesome. Okay, for those who really didn't uh, know what the word wrapped meant. Uh, it ser- serves a double meaning here. Uh, 
It can mean completely fascinated by what one is seeing or hearing, which describes the lamb itself throughout the story. But it uh, also has a more archaic meaning of having been carried away bodily or transported to heaven. Yep. Which, which one more time, is a Jesus Christ reference. Yep. Now, Cinti knows what she's doing. She will, her whole run is little references like that. And then sort of the, kind of the esoteric stuff you see here, the thoughts of the people in the street as Daredevil's swinging over. Oh, man, yes. That was so good. Yep, and he's, he's swinging above all this. Such a nice little shot. And I, I had never heard of the artist on this story before, but I looked him up and he did, he did some heavy metal stuff and other Marvel work. But somehow I've never come across him. And it really just, it looks like a typical Marvel style at the time. Mm-hmm. As far as the art, it doesn't really seem like something you'd see in heavy metal. Nope, but then again, it might be eight pages and he might have had to push it out pretty quick. And that's true. I mean, it, it, you know, with eight pages, it could have been a, a tryout story or, you know, hey, kid, you know, we want to see what you can do, but we can't sacrifice an entire issue of what if. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I just I caught another piece of symbolism that's it's pretty it's kind of specific to Matt and his faith journey that he drops the lamb. The lamb is scared that the, that he's forgotten that he dropped her. And he, she's like, oh, no, he remembers. And so Matt, as a person of faith, you've seen him struggle in the comics, mm-hmm. but he's he's able to go back and, and find a, a place of faith. So I'm, I'm like, wow, OK, she's really laying this in. This is an eight page story and it's well, well done. OK, I'll ask you this, because. I've gone back and forth, you know, two or three different times reading it. You know, obviously the lamb is just a a toy. Mm-hmm. Do you read the lamb as um, male or female? I read it as female. I hadn't thought about it. See, the the first few times I've read the story, I just, you know, I really just took it to be just a a male, and then. In more recent years, when I've gone back to it, yeah, I I read it as female because it almost seems like, I mean, it, in a weird sort of way, it seems like the lamb is falling in love with Matt. Yeah, I think some of mine, to be completely honest, is is influenced by Lamb Chop and Sherry Lewis. I will not sing the song. No, let's not sing the song, but... <laughs> But that was that was kind of what got me. I didn't think much about it until you said, it. "I'm like, oh yeah, it could very well be a male." Yeah, but I don't. I mean, like, especially with the symbolism, like, I kind of almost want to read it as male. But there are moments in the in the dialogue; it it really just feels more like like a female type of. Wow, I'm gonna like get, put my foot in my mouth here, <laughs> but. I picture it more of a childlike female, is what yes. kind of set it in my head. Yes, because it's not—it's not like oh, you know, I'm in love with Matt. I will do anything for him. But it's—it's it's that childlike. Yeah, it's like having a, a an older brother or sister figure. That's how I read it. Yes, thank you. See, there we go. <laughs> you sure you don't want to like be on this? 
podcast more regularly because, <laughs> like, yeah, you can get those words out for me. Oh, I'm on a good day. <laughs> you don't hear the stuff I edit out of my own shows. <laughs> Man, so... Okay, so, so, like, I know you said it references 266 and all that. Uh, where would you put this... I'm like, would this fit in um, Daredevil continuity as far as, like, what was going on in the book at the same time this was published, or... Ooh. That's a good question. What was now? I got to check what the, this was. Nineteen ninety one. I don't think it would quite. It, it wouldn't go against it. No, I think that was Chichester at that time. I think Nasinti. I looked this up. Now I've forgotten it. Nasinti was already off the book. <coughs> Excuse me. Choked on my own spit. Let me see what was going on. Yeah, it was Chichester. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would not be out of sorts with that because there's not a lot of continuity in this. Oh, Nacinti was. Yeah, okay, so looking at it, Nacinti was still on the book, so yeah, this would fit in perfectly. Okay. Because well, we're heading always... towards last rites and so on and so forth, so yeah, this there's no reference to Matt's current situation as far as if he's been reinstated to the bar yet, which happens in around 300 this year, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always interesting with like a an, an inventory story or something in an anthology, like would it actually fit, or is it just one of those, hey, this this is a, a thing that happened between panels? Yeah, and the, the anthologies are good with that. Look at something like Classic X-Men that would reprint an issue and then do like a backup story that fills in gaps or solidifies it. That's where the anthologies fall, mm-hmm. sort of the, the mortar to the brick. Okay, what do you think of this as a Christmas story? In general... It has it has the right flavors that you know you're you're in a time that's supposed to be joyous and yet normally people are miserable. They don't want to admit it, but <laughs> and Daredevil is the guy out there just trying to change what little he can. So I think in the context of that, because you normally see cheesy you know character turns on Christmas, this is Daredevil just being true to himself and observing Christmas, and that seems that seems right to me for a, a Christmas story. Featuring Daredevil. If it was another character, I don't know that it would work quite as well. Yeah, there. I mean, compared to some of the other stories in this anthology, some of them are, you know, clearly not Christmas at all. Especially, you know, the Doc Samson one is a Hanukkah story. But I mean, like the the Wolverine one earlier on is, it's sort of a Christmas story reference. Kinda, sorta, but it's really about like Christmas shopping and toys, and and then the, you've got other stories that, well, the uh, like the Thanos story that you know obviously does not reference Christmas, any sort of you know holiday like that at all, but it is like in its soul a a Christmas story. Or a holiday story, excuse me, for those that are non-Christmas observing. But, yeah, I mean, like, I like how you pointed out that this this really doesn't work with anybody but Daredevil. No, because if you try to put Frank Castle in there, it has <laughs> a little too much heartbreak. Oh, that Frank Castle <laughs> that's story that's in this anthology, too. <laughs> I haven't read that one, so 
But if you were to try to put him into this position where he's taking a toy to the orphanage, a little too on the nose, a little too painful, mm-hmm. given the, his family situation. Oh. And I was thinking about it. I mentioned 266, but there was, to the top of my head, there was one more Innocenti Christmas story. Not quite in the, you know, more lovable vein that this is. It, it had art by Todd McFarlane. And I guarantee you, this is an issue, and I'm trying to, it's 241. This is an issue that is one of those comics that everybody somehow, someway has in their collection. Because the cover is a, I believe it's, it is a McFarlane, it's a Mike Zek cover. Daredevil's on a ladder. He's got the radar rings coming out. McFarland did the interior art. And it is more... It, there's this stranger that shows up that... Uh, he's doing a high-wire act in the middle of the city. It's absolutely bizarre, as all Nascenti stories are, wonderfully. So I'm thinking right now, Nascenti's done, to the top of my head, three Christmas stories with Daredevil. And they've all been on point. Because Daredevil's all about being that guy that tries to get it right... But just, and, and it ends up tripping over his own feet, which is ironic for a guy that's a really good acrobat. <laughs> and Christmas has been, I mean, you look at many Christmas stories and it's trying, it's somebody just trying to get that present for their kid, that one special present or trying to make a miracle happen. And here's Daredevil doing what the rest of us do. Daredevil's kind of like MASH. He, he has multiple Christmases throughout the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was 86, and I'm trying to figure out when Beer with Daredevil, I think that was a couple years later. So yeah, she's in a few years, she's done multiple Christmas stories. Had not really lined that up until just now. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. Nope. I love, I love the anachronism of her saying at the end, the, the lady at the orphanage is like, oh, it's you again, so he does this every year. You're an angel. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's such mm-hmm. a good... Good descriptor for Matt, who's, who's, you know, visage is the devil or the, the devil from like Paradise Lost or something like that. And he's out doing good. Even small things like this. When I was a kid, like, you know, I read this anthology and I'll be honest, this was actually my least favorite story. Oh, <laughs> I, in all fairness, I was like 10 or 11. You know, okay. don't shoot me. I, I didn't get it. I didn't get all of it. Mostly, I kind of felt bad because, like, you know, here Matt is, like, just giving these poor orphans this little toy lamb that, you know, there's probably no farm set to go with it. Mm. But, you know, again. That made me really sad. (laughs) Well, you know. I always kind of like go back to the huh, that old cartoon Christmas comes once a year. I don't you think have, I've ever seen that one. You, you, have you not seen it? It's a, it's a Professor Grampy cartoon put out by Fleischer. Like all this orphanage, all these kids wake up and Santa has come and but they have like the most terrible toys that all fall apart like the moment they play with them and it's the saddest thing. You know, 40 years old, and I'm, I cry when I watch it. <laughs> and then, you know, Grampy comes along and makes them all kinds of toys out of junk, and it's the best Christmas ever. I've had Christmases like that. So I totally relate. We, I've gotten, as a kid, of course, 
you know, you get the year, you get the Nintendo, you get um, you know, all the Ninja Turtle stuff. Somehow I got this generic set. Uh, they're called Laser Force. You probably saw them as a, as a kid. And they were just, there was a car and a, a jet. Those became my primary toys. And, and I remember my aunt going, I, I paid like five bucks for that. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be, you know, your favorite present. Were, they were the little, sil- well, not little, but they were silver mm-hmm. and had like the little little black guns on the sides. Yep, yep. They were just the right size for G.I. Joe's. Yes. Yeah. And that's I, what I used them for as well. And, and they, I think they sold them at Kmart, kind of like the, uh, the Remco stuff. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. kind of generic and like that was the greatest present I ever had. I had it for years. I had those for years. Yeah, I'm like you. I played with that jet forever. Yeah. Oh, memories. For me. <laughs> no, I saw a Sky Striker in person once, but I've never owned one. I got assaulted with a Sky Striker once. What? <laughs> How do you get assaulted by a toy jet? Well, you know, they have that mouth on them. You know, the pa- little sticker decal mouth on the front of them. And this kid, like, just kept shoving it into my ribs. Like, it's going to eat you. It's going to eat you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Weird times. (laughs) Where do you rank this story now in comparison to the others? Oh, out of the eight. Wow. Uh, Gosh, I mean, um. You know, pulling back the curtain, I'm recording these way out of order, folks. But um, it's probably going to be in my top three. Yeah. And see, I haven't read the others, so I can't rank them. Yeah. I cheated. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this this one gains points for, you know, just the writing in and of itself. Because I... This story is wasted on children, folks. I'm sorry. Mm. I mean, it's good. You can enjoy it as a kid, but you miss a lot. Yeah. Well, even looking at it again, you know, just going back over, I'm like, okay, I did miss several things. That the lamb saying, now I know how much I cost. I'm like, I see what you did there. Mm hmm. Oh, man. The when the lamb relates the story about the the old man going blind and his son out of boredom telling him all the different stuff that happens in the paintings, just lying to him. Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, talk about a moment to just kind of break your heart. And you don't even see it happen. It's just the lamb relating this thing and it's one panel in an eight page story. Yeah, just a brief antidote. Yeah. This is just a jam-packed eight pages. It doesn't follow the st- really the traditional story structure, because mm. you're kind of coming in in Act 2, and there's no real Act 3. Right, and and unlike a lot of the other stories, there's no... Um, Gosh, I mean, there's no villain to fight. There's no antagonist. No, basically the well, I mean, other than the mugging. But I mean, again, that's like two, three panels. Mm-hmm. But like the Spider-Man story, there, you know, there's Electro in it. Uh, 
know, other stories, at least there's even internal conflict. This is, I mean, I suppose the, the conflict in this is the lamb going back and forth, you know, trying to decide, well, is this a good person or a bad person? Well, you know, what is my purpose? Well, I mean, it's kind of an existential story. Was the Spider-Man's right? Because I haven't read this. That's the one um, where he's at the children's hospital? No. Okay. No. Um, Peter and Mary Jane are at a Christmas tree lighting in uh, Rockefeller Center, and Electro steals the electricity. It's okay. It's a very Stan story. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a like what they would do with the Macy's Thanksgiving float. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. You know, this was one I would, I, you you know, you were talking before, you were surprised I hadn't covered. I'm like, I didn't know it existed. This is a nice little gem that I, I'm glad you brought to my attention. Well, see, look at that. I gave you a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a toy lamb. <laughs> I don't know if I can give you anything quite that powerful. Because, <laughs> goodness, this, <laughs> this is one of those stories that, you just go back and reread it and find something new every time. Yeah. But please read it when you have your know, a larger mental capacity than what I had at 11 years old, which basically means, you know, most people from eight on up, but <laughs> what 11 you're wanting action. You're wanting bad guys versus good guys. You're not looking for nuance or symbolism. Yeah. Uh, at, at 11, I was pretty, you know, knee-deep in X-Men. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but, you know, that, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I think I've said my piece on this one. Yep, I think, I think we've got it on the table. And I would love to see what other people glean from this story. Yes, absolutely, please. Because, like everything else in this anthology and everything we've been covering... Please, everyone, write in. Let us know what you think, because everybody has something to share on this. And sharing is caring. I had to. It was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since you threw that out there, I'm going to give you one to grow on, Dave. Because since this is your first appearance on the Coffee and Comics podcast, you get to take the wonderful quiz. Ooh, I was not told there'd be, there'd be a test, so. <laughs> ah, well, you know, surprises galore. All right, I'm ready. I feel confident. All right. So, first question. What do you consider your beverage of choice? Currently, Coke Zero. Ah, well, you know, you know we're, we're pretty strong proponents of coffee on this show, but, we, <laughs> you know, I try not to judge. My wife is the coffee lover in the, in the house. Ah, wise woman. <laughs> okay, so question two. Betty or Veronica? Betty. Is cherry blossom not an option, just to make sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I try to keep it, you know, just, okay. just to the two. because Betty, because she, she's more real. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, we'd... We would have just this, the long list of everyone from the Archie universe. Yeah, true. Except I'm, I'm sure nobody would 
would pick Ethel, but and that would just be mean. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you prefer Wolfman Perez Titans or Claremont Burn X Men? Oh, you're a monster for making me choose. I'd have to go Bear- Claremont Burn X Men though. Ah. Well, they huh. they kind of <laughs> get harder from here, so. Uh, which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live action adaptation? Oh, Wonder Woman. Animated, specifically. Because we've had Superman the Animated Series, we've had Batman the Animated Series. No Wonder Woman. You can say Justice League, but there's a lot that needs to be explored in Wonder Woman in animation. Hmm. Fair enough. No one said Wonder Woman yet, I don't believe. Well, she's had her live action adaptations. But if you count no you know like linda carter it jumps all the way to 2017 with you know gal gadot so mm-hmm. i don't know that, that is a very fair answer because there is a you know 80 year mythology there to cover mm-hmm. so question five villain most in need of decaf when decaf mm-hmm. Ooh, i am gonna go with wilson fisk he needs to dial it down a notch. Ah. He's one of those people that where the coffee's percolating under the skin. You don't see the, you know, the, the shivers, but <laughs> he's been knocking back espresso all day like he's Matt Foley from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> okay, so number six, who is the best super pet? Crypto. There's no doubt on that one. Alrighty, so I have to ask. Can Mighty Mouse beat up the George Reeves Superman? Ooh. Probably, yeah. <laughs> He's got size <laughs> on his on his side. Come up and sneak attack. All right, and the final question. The lovely, lovely Professor Alan Middleton question. Would you prefer a lifetime of cheap comics? But Doctor Doom has a grudge against you. Or, comics are highly expensive, but Doctor Doom owes you a favor. Oh, I want favors from Doom. I do not want to disappoint Doom. Alan and I will will see eye to eye on this. I don't know how you you managed to get Alan to answer that question, though, without giving him a stroke. (laughs) I believe it was something along the lines of, uh, he would pretty much curry Doom's ear... You know, oh. kind of, kind of use his favor to um, ask for certain privileges in the comic realm. Yeah, makes sense. Alan's thinking far ahead, so. Oh well, that is pretty much the quiz. So now I and all the listeners know a little more about you, and if for some reason they haven't been listening to your shows in the past, they get a taste of. Uh, what to expect from you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I love your show, sir. Uh, thank you. All 372. Yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> the problem is they don't last long enough. Yeah. You can always revive them. <laughs> That's true. And speaking of shows and reviving... Where can people find you if they are so inclined? Well, it's it's kind of on brand. Um, I do a show called Dave's Marvel Universe. 
in which I look at comic books from the 1980s published by Marvel Comics, including Daredevil at some point, by, by listener demand. And if you like archive shows and you like Daredevil, Dave's Daredevil podcast is over at the Two True Freaks website. I guess it's no longer on iTunes at the moment, but that could be fixed. Uh, and for those that uh, want to expand a little past the Marvel Universe... Uh, I guess we've got the Dave Cave Batman podcast over at the Two True Freaks uh, Network. Uh, I've got archived episodes of Superman Forever Radio, which is currently hosted by Bob uh, Fisher. But my episodes go up to, I think, 70-something, 75, right in there, before he took over. And then there was also that show about the uh, people that were trekking through the stars. and That one got canceled. <laughs> There's a danger in picking your podcast topics. If it's something too dear to your heart, you may want to put it to the side or else you don't have a place to go to relax. That's fair. Yeah. And I learned that pretty quick with a show called Spock Word. I'm like, uh, this is a bad idea. I just want to enjoy Star Trek. Well, I enjoyed what shows we got out of that, sir. So. Yeah. It was, a, it was a struggle on that one. So. <laughs> so for what it's worth, if you do want to enjoy a little bit of Spock Word, I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. Somewhere out there in the <laughs> in, final frontier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All righty. So, again, thank you, Dave, for joining me on this. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the coverage on the last, uh, wow, yeah, four episodes covering this, this book. This is the longest I've ever dedicated to one single issue. <laughs> <laughs> Not even mad. I'm impressed. Well, I guess... With that, I unfortunately will have to bid you adieu for this episode, sir, and I will take a promo break and uh, possibly come back with some listener feedback. I'm not sure how I'm doing that, so stick around and we'll see. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night looking for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. <coughs> oh, I don't know why I do that to myself. Look, none of that is true. I'm not Daredevil, Marvel's blind lawyer by day and superhero by night. I'm J. David Weeder, but you can call me Dave. I used to read Daredevil comics, enjoy Daredevil comics, and talk about Daredevil comics, and then I kind of stopped. Well, now I'm back with a new version of the old show. Daredevil Legends is the show where Daredevil, his allies, and his enemies all get put under a scope, get examined, and get discussed on a weekly basis. It's everything that you once loved in a Daredevil podcast, and much, much more to boot. So join me and Marvel's Man Without Fear and his enemies and allies every Sunday at DaredevilPodcast.com, iTunes, and the podcatcher of your choice. Take the dare at DaredevilPodcast.com. Daredevil Legends, the podcast without fear. Hey everybody, Clinton here. As you know, this would normally be the feedback portion, but if you've been following along, you also know that I'm not doing feedback until all of these are said and done, grouping everybody all in together at once, because it's just how I do things. So I want to thank uh, Rick and uh, Dave again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. I want to doubly thank Everybody who has been on these last four episodes, I wouldn't have been able to make it happen without all of you. So thank you, everybody. Uh, so yeah, this this pretty much wraps it up. What did you guys think of the um of the special? 
write in, let me know. Do, do you want me to do something like this again next year? Do please let me know. Um, when I come back with the feedback portion, which of course won't be until probably after the first of the year at the current rate I'm doing things, um, I may take a look at what I thought of things back in my blogging days, because I did cover this at one point on the blog, but maybe not. Maybe we don't need to read all that. So anyway, just to not ramble on any further than I already have, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy Hanukkah to those who did celebrate during the time, and um, Happy Kwanzaa coming up, and Forgive me, I'm not sure when Ramadan is, but um, blessed Ramadan to everyone who celebrates that as well. So, until next time, thank you once again for joining me. And this is the place where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. 